0: Say the phrase.
1: Oh, oh. Rock and roll, Buckaroo.
0: <laughs> we can do this all day. Episode eight: Top Five MCU Moments. Hi, this is Mark.
1: And this is Emily. And, and we, we can, can
0: do this. Can, can we? What happened? I don't know. You stalled.
1: You, you took a long time on the and, and so I was unsure. Okay.
0: Oh, crap. All Round right, two. Take, take two. Hi, this is Mark.
1: And this is Emily. And, and we, we can, can do, do this. this all day.
0: Wait a minute, we got out of sync again. we used to, this is all, this always used to be the easiest part of the podcast. What happened? Are we actually out of sync? No, we're not no okay. Well, let's try again. I mean, do you want me should I just go and we can do this all day and you just you can follow me and we can do this all day. How about like that? Does that sound good? Yeah, sure all right it take is, three let's
1: say it the way we've always said it.
0: I know. I don't know why it's not working all of a sudden. This is weird. Hi, this is Mark.
1: And this is Emily. And, and we, we can, can do... do this all... what? I
0: don't know. I. We it's are. We were this.
1: fine. It was fine. Don't look at the FaceTime.
0: I wasn't looking at the FaceTime. I was listening. And I didn't hear you jumping in when I... okay. Take four. Hi, this is Mark.
1: And this is Emily.
0: And, and we, we can, can do, do this, this all day. day a podcast where we review all the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll go through each film in the MCU chronologically and discuss our overall impressions, things we liked, things we didn't like, and everything in between. We hope you'll tune in and stay with us till the end of the line. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's another glorious Friday night. Emily. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, yeah.
0: It's good to see you. Our first episode of 2021 has already dropped, but we recorded that last month. We recorded that a week before Christmas. So this, for us, is our, in a way our first episode of 2021. It's the first episode being recorded in 2021. So we hope everyone's new year is getting off to a good start. Emily, have a good new year so far?
1: I mean, if you ignore the everything stuff- happening outside our window...
0: <laughs> we, th- we record this podcast in the vicinity of the nation's capital, and it's, it's, as you can imagine, things have been a little, they've been nuts here for a long time, but in particular, the last 10 days or so. We all seem to be bearing it out well. This is our first podcast that we're recording in 2021. I got a new computer here. I got a new laptop we we're recording on. Emily's got her new headphones, so we're all ready to go. So Emily and I thought we'd ease our way into 2021 with something a little bit different. We're not going to do a film review this week. We're actually going to do a top five list, which is something we haven't done since our very first episode. This week, we're going to be doing our top five MCU moments. But first, we have MCU news first in the lineup today. And we have some, as of today at least, January the 15th. We have a bit of breaking news in a couple of areas. I guess the most significant news item. There have been multiple news sources in just the last couple of days reporting that Marvel Studios is close to a deal to bring Chris Evans back as Captain America for at least one quote-unquote upcoming MCU project. We don't know if that's going to be a feature film or one of the TV shows on Disney Plus. Apparently nothing's been signed yet, but apparently they are close to bringing Chris Evans back as Steve Rogers. The pens are out. Some The pens are out and sitting on the table just waiting for Chris to get his hands on them apparently. So we may be seeing Captain America, Steve Rogers, again, at some point in the not-too-distant future, which I'm looking forward to. Also, just within the last couple of days, in an interview with ComicBook.com, MCU President CEO Kevin Feige all but confirmed that we will see Nova and the Nova Corps, which was originally introduced in Guardians of the Galaxy, in the MCU in the not-too-distant future, uh, Nova being the Human Rocket, a favorite Marvel comic of mine. And when he was asked if we would see, for those of you who know the comics fairly well, if we would be seeing the Richard Rider... Nova or the Sam Alexander Nova, Kevin Feige simply replied, yes. So as a big Nova fan, Nova next to Fantastic Four, Nova is the franchise that I've wanted to see the most in the MCU at some point. Kevin Feige also confirmed to Collider that Deadpool, played by Ryan Reynolds, will be officially joining the MCU. He finally confirmed that. Deadpool 3 apparently is going to start filming sometime later this year, it sounds like, and it will be rated R. So for those of you who are afraid that the Disney acquisition is going to water Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool down. Fear not, it will be as bawdy and profanity-laden as it always was, apparently. So we have that to look forward to. That film will probably not show up till sometime next year or maybe even the year after.
1: So I have a question. Yeah. Does that mean that the previous Deadpool movies have to go into our canon of episodes?
0: They just might. Because I think might.
1: then we might need to do some reshuffling. I don't know when the first two happen. I've only seen the first one. So I don't know when they happen with regards to when the other movies happen.
0: Nobody does either because those first two movies took place sort of in a different universe. The 20th Century Fox universe with all the X-Men movies at that time. That's actually a very good question. It'll be interesting to see how they wind that in there. I am 100% positive. I have absolutely no confirmation of this whatsoever. But knowing Ryan Reynolds and that franchise like I do, I guarantee we're going to have a ton of fourth wall breaking where he talks about like jumping from one universe into another and cracking jokes about Disney and stuff like that. I guarantee we're going to see that. There's just no way that can't happen.
1: You know what we need now, though. Who needs to get added to the MCU? I'll give you a second to think about it. Who would I? Oh no! Oh no! Yes. Oh.
0: oh. Yes. Oh, God no! Oh you well. Who no, we need no, now? No. We, well the thing. Well, I'm going okay. to speak it
1: into existence. What's the? You know, I'm going to manifest. You're going to manifest. I'm going to manifest Venom into the MCU. I listeners, said it. I, listeners, I, I cannot.
0: It tell you the sorts of discussions that Emily and I have had about Venom when that movie well, not when the movie came out. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on video.
1: No, because you were so mad late. about it.
0: I wasn't mad about it. I just didn't. I don't. I'm not a Venom guy. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of anything in the Spider-Man universe. Venom kind of least of all. And then I finally saw the movie and I just walked away with a very, how should we say, different impression than did Emily. I still don't know the particulars of Marvel's contract with Sony because that's still a Sony property and we don't know if any of the Sony things aside from spider-man are considered part of the mcu so i think that may end up falling into the purview of the lawyers my friend i'm manifesting <laughs> it
1: 2020 will be the year of venom going into the mcu and there's nothing you can do to stop it
0: 2020 are we going back in time oh 2021 are, using, are you using the time stone
1: nope didn't mean to sorry <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to go back
0: <laughs> <We're> moving <laughs> yeah, I don't forward think no. and in
1: 2021 <laughs> venom is going to be in the mcu yes if
0: 2021 turns out to be worse than 2020 was i'm entirely i'm blaming you entirely for having accidentally manifested us going back to 2020. no
1: that's not what
0: i meant no 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 do not let it happen Oh, the only other bit of uh, MCU news, as of today, January the 15th, the first two episodes of WandaVision are now available for streaming on Disney+. Plus. I have seen them, and I enjoyed them thoroughly. It is, as predicted, it's as they were saying, unlike anything we have ever seen in the MCU before. It is funny, and weird, and quirky, and if anything, it owes more to Twin Peaks than it does anything else. Each episode has you wondering, what the hell just happened? Or, you know, what is going on? Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen are amazing. The show is leaning into the whole early TV sitcom vibe, and they both play that really, really well. They're both incredibly funny people.
1: I like the idea whenever we do MCU news, I like the idea that there's somebody in the world possibly getting their MCU news from us three weeks late every
0: time. (laughs) Three weeks late.
1: (laughs) It's like everything that happens in the beginning of January up through January 15th, and they get it on like February 4th. I like that.
0: Some listener on February the 5th is going to be like, hey, Chris Evans is coming back.
1: They don't pay attention to anything on like sci-fi or Wired or anything like that. They strictly get their news from us and it's always consistently three weeks late.
0: Well, at least we're consistent. I would be flattered as heck if they got their MC news solely from us, even though it's late. But, you know, like Bruce Banner said, time travel.
1: Yeah. We're not going backwards, though.
0: (laughs) No, 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 no. That's it for MCU news. Now on to our main event. We thought we'd ease ourselves into 2021 by, as I said before, taking a break from our usual episode format in which we review movies in the MCU. And we thought we'd do a top five countdown instead, something we haven't done since our first episode. Emily and I are each going to count down our top five MCU moments. And when we say moment, it could be a literal moment. In any of the films, it could be a particular scene. We deliberately wanted to keep it pretty open-ended because, you know, it's our show and we can do whatever we want. Isn't that right?
1: Yes, we're in charge. Sorry, you're at our mercy. That's why the news is always three weeks late because it's up to us.
0: We know each other well enough that we can probably guess what some of the other person's choices are. We've deliberately... And although we've sort of had little discussions on the side and so forth, we've deliberately not told the other person our choices. So the rest of the show notes literally say, Emily's number five, Mark's number five, Mark's number four, Emily's number four. And neither of us has any idea what the other person is going to say. Why don't we start with you, Emily? What is your number five?
1: So before I tell you that, until I opened the show notes for the first time this afternoon... I did not realize that you were looking to rank them. So, my number one is-
0: Talk about spontaneous, folks.
1: <laughs> my number one is my number one, it is my top scene. But they're not actually in the order that I'm gonna give them to you. They're just in the order that I wrote them down.
0: So number one is still gonna be like your number one, your favorite number one. Yes. But two through five are just gonna be how top they got, five. How
1: they got written down when I wrote them out.
0: I think that's fair.
1: Uh, So I guess then I'll just start at the top of my list. My number five, because that's where we're at, is literally anything with Morgan Stark in Endgame, but (laughs) specifically the bit where she's in her fort outside at that nice cabin. The real cabin is outside Atlanta. I don't know where the cabin's supposed to be (laughs) in the movie.
0: As of the summer 2019, you could rent it on Airbnb. Right, Not cheap, but you could rent it.
1: And so she's in her fort, and he comes out to get her for lunch she comes out wearing her helmet or wearing um pepper's helmet is yes. that what it is morgan has the little blaster and she's like prepared to be disintegrated or whatever she says and when he's like no we're gonna do lunch don't you want crickets on a bed of lettuce for lunch yeah that's what you want like any of his quotes with her are so funny um i love the other quote where she's about to go to bed And he's like, go to bed or I'll sell all your toys. I was kind of maybe living in a little bit of fan fiction world where I was like, wouldn't it be so nice if Peter got to spend more time with Happy and with Pepper and with Morgan and Peter could be like Morgan's big brother and you can tell I've read too much fan fiction. But I always thought that would be fun. I just love little kid characters because there's so much of them. Like they're not acting really because Mm -hmm. they can't quite understand what that is yet. And so it's just a cool little kid. Hanging out on the set, talking to Iron Man.
0: Those moments, going back to Tony Stark's origins, where he came from, I think we would probably both agree, the Tony Stark we meet in the first Iron Man movie, at least at the beginning, probably the last person in the world we would want raising a child. And yet, by the time we get to the later films, after he's matured a bit, I get the feeling Tony would be kind of a really cool dad. You just kind of get that feeling, because he's got the responsibility and so forth, and he's quick with the joke and he's funny. He knows his audience. He's very good with, hey, it's a, it's, a, it's a five-year-old. I can talk to a five-year-old, and he does it. I can see him being a really, really cool dad.
1: Well, and he does in Infinity War at the beginning, him and Pepper are going on a run, and he's talking about a dream he had where they had a kid, and he mentions Morgan, the name, because it's Pepper's grandfather I or think something. Pepper's grandfather, yeah. And I never noticed that until... I watched Endgame maybe once or twice, and then I watched Infinity War following that, and I was like, "Oh wait," because he even looks at Pepper, and he's like, "Oh, but like you know, it felt so real, like you and I." And Pepper's like, "Ah, no." But
0: uh, no, I like that moment too, and of course the moment when she when she repeats Tony's little swear word when he realizes he's figured out time travel. He's like, "Shh, no, that's mommy's word. Mommy owns that word." So that's your number five, eh?
1: what's your number five
0: most of my top five are from movies that we have not reviewed yet and this one is from one that i know for a fact you have not even seen in its entirety shame on you for that by the way my number five is from 2016's dr strange it's the siege of the new york sanctum for those of you who may remember our countdown in our first episode dr strange is my second favorite mcu movie and i love it because of how well it defines the rules of magic in the mcu things like you know mystic shields and weapons they all look and work in a very specific way and I like the kind of world building you get in that movie that world building is on full display in this sequence I think it's just really cool Kaecilius the bad guy played by Mads Mikkelsen he and his zealots they're attacking the New York Sanctum of the mystics of Taj, which Stephen Strange Dr. Stephen Strange played by Benedict Cumberbatch he's still a very novice sorcerer at this point and he finds himself in the position of having to defend the New York Sanctum all by himself we all know what an incredibly trippy movie this is and that includes the fight and action sequences of which this is my favorite in this movie. We see people conjuring weapons and shields with their bare hands and they can walk on walls and they're making the floor and even entire buildings move. I mean, it's like Inception on steroids. That was kind of my first impression when I saw it. So Strange has to fight all of these folks off all by his lonesome and he's still a very inexperienced sorcerer. Nonetheless, he's a really quick study and he has some skills. So we see him using the crimson bands of Ciderac, these long kind of energy bands. He uses them like a whip and he also uses, unsuccessfully the first time around, the ruby rings of Ragador, the hand shields that he becomes kind of famous for later on. They become his trademark go-to spell in later MCU movies. Emily knows how much I enjoy it when Cumberbatch does the hand motions, the so-called tutting, to call up all the shields. Sometimes, you know, when I'm alone or something, Sometimes when I'm not alone, I'll practice doing the hand shield motions. Yeah, you definitely
1: really did cool. that at work. When I we, did, yes. When we worked together, you definitely did that at work.
0: I've conjured the ruby rings of Ragador in our bookstore from time to time. So Strange puts up a good fight in this scene, but he's clearly overmatched by Kaecilius. And it's only through the timely and very comical intervention of the Cloak of Levitation that he's able to survive and at least temporarily subdue Kaecilius. In addition to the fight itself and just the use of the weapons and the fact that you've got people walking on walls and ceilings and the way the fight is just choreographed really well. Towards the end of the scene you get that iconic image of the cloak lifting Strange up through the stairwell. And that's just very that's a very comic book moment, the cloak of levitation lifting Doctor Strange up into the air. It's my favorite scene in the entire movie.
1: I do like the cloak from what I have seen of Doctor Strange because I did watch some of it. I like the cloak because it reminds me of Aladdin's Magic Carpet because it's kind of a brat, but
0: it is a brat. Still
1: useful. <laughs> and I do like all the spells. They kind of remind me of the anime Full Metal Alchemist.
0: I don't know a thing about anime, so I have to defer to you on this one, Emily.
1: One of the skills that's incredibly hard to master is doing things without the permutation circles. A lot of alchemists have built in circles like on a glove or in the main character's case, there are permutation circles like on his metal arm. But Roy Mustang has it on his gloves and he can conjure fire in his hand because this permutation spell is already written on his hand. And so he can just go for it like that. But that's what that makes me think of. That's how I can relate to you. how much you like that is that I love that part of Full Metal Alchemist. So I understand.
0: And the funny thing is, and we'll get into this way down the line when we review Doctor Strange. I'm not even a wizards and magic kind of person, but there's just something about that film that fascinates me. Like I said, the way they've got the world constructed and the way they depict the magic working is just really interesting to me. So that's why it's my number five. My number four is is the only one in the countdown the only one in my top five that's from a movie that we've already reviewed and it's from the movie that we just reviewed a few weeks ago it's from avengers in 2012 i guess it's technically two scenes but they're back to back so i'm going to combine them it's the i'm always angry scene and the avengers circle up as we recall from just a few weeks ago, it's the Battle of New York. Cap, Natasha, Clint, and Thor have been fighting Loki and the Chitari for some time, and they're doing okay, but just barely. And then Bruce Banner, having fallen out of the sky from the helicarrier earlier, and having had to make his way to New York, rides in on this beat-up motorcycle, and I love how he looks around at all the destruction and says, Well, this all looks horrible that's one of my favorite lines in the movie actually while they're talking one of those big chitari flying things heads towards them and bruce just starts to walk casually towards it cap says to him dr banner now would be a really good time for you to get angry to which banner responds that's my secret captain i'm always angry and then of course we see him hulk out at will which is cool, spontaneously punch the flying Chitari thing as it's landing, severely damaging it before Tony finishes it off with a missile. I just think it's so cool to watch. But then to make things even better, the very next scene, we get to see that now iconic moment, the Avengers circling up, showing them bracing for action, fighting together as a team for the very first time. As I said the last episode, it's the most comic book scene in the entire movie, and it's beautiful. It's the first time we ever see such a big superhero team up in a movie. And it's the game-changer moment in the film where the tide, I think, begins to turn in the hero's favor. Funny thing is, that particular configuration of the Avengers, to my knowledge, was never actually in the comics. I don't think that was ever one of the lineups. But thanks to this movie, that kind of became the classic lineup. So that is my number four.
1: One of my, like, alternates or honorary mention top scenes, is from this movie. And we've talked about this plenty of times. It's the sort of combo of Fury and Steve in the gym at the beginning, where Steve says, like, you can't surprise me, and Fury says, bet you 10 bucks you're wrong. And when they get on the helicarrier, he just quick passes him the 10 bucks out of his like (laughs) old man leather wallet that he pulls out of his pocket
0: hey nothing i had i had an old man leather wallet for a very long time thank you very much until fairly recently nothing old manish about it it's classic it's classic
1: it's it's classic i'm sorry i apologize the classic wallet okay
0: what's your number four emily
1: all right again These five through two are not ranked in any way, but I'll go ahead and put this one in four. The entire scene in Busan, South Korea, in Black Panther... I've always been... In the casino? Yeah. So I've always been sort of fascinated, I guess, with South Korea. My dad used to travel to South Korea a lot for work, and he never took me, and it still burns me to this day that I haven't gotten to go to South Korea. But seeing a city that wasn't Seoul get featured in a movie was really cool, and to see sort of how techish and futuristic it looked, even with when they were on the ground, you could see that it was still very lived in and very current. Um, I loved all of that. I loved the clothes... I loved the music. I really actually love the soundtrack for Black Panther. I remember I bought a physical copy of it at the bookstore when it came out. I did too. The Kendrick Lamar
0: one. Yep, I did too. And so
1: I loved the music because I think it's um, The Weeknd is what's playing in... The casino. I love everything about it. I like the little conversation that Nikia has with the lady outside to try and get them in, sort of betraying the fact that she's, you know, since she is a spy, since she's out there all the time, that she's made all these connections, but also that her connections have kind of gotten her in trouble before. Because the lady's like, I don't know, I don't want, the, I don't want the same trouble. And then when Nikoi is like so are we good? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. I love the little diplomatic feeling fight that T'Challa has with Martin Freeman's character.
0: Agent Ross, not to be yes. confused with General Ross.
1: Yes. Also, my number four would lead into the car chase that they have around Busan afterwards. Shuri's just so fun. She's so fun in that movie. She's everything that I would expect a 16-year-old genius to be. When the beads rise up and she realizes like she's going to get to drive the car, she's like, yes! And she... So Super excited. I loved all that. It's a very small thing, but I like that they show that when Okoye and Nikia were driving the car that she had taken her heels off.
0: Yes, I <laughs> to do drive remember in the that. car.
1: Because a hundred percent, like that's what you have to do. You cannot drive in heels. I mean, you can, and I would commend anyone who can, but it's not comfortable. It's the same as, like, driving get- in flip-flops. Like, I always take my flip-flops off if I drive in the summer.
0: Oh, I can't drive in flip-flops. No. I mean, I, yeah. I don't... I've never had the experience of having to drive in high heels before, at least not yet. But I have tried to drive in flip-flops, and it sucks.
1: Yeah, so you got to take them off, and I'm glad that they put that in the movie. You can see in this scene when she gets mad about having the wig on and the dress and all of this extra oh. stuff that she doesn't care about because oh, it's she- so... Oh, sh- Troublesome and not efficient.
0: She rips the wig off and throws it at a dude in the middle of that fight, which, of course, is completely appropriate for her.
1: Yeah. And so I like that, of course, in her character, she would take the heels off the second she got in the car.
0: I love the fight in the casino. On the Blu ray, there's a special feature of the director Ryan Kugler breaking down that fight from a cinematography point of view and sort of how they made it. It was a really well put together scene, and they're using you know, cameras on wires and stuff like that to get into that close-up of Okoye on the balcony beating guys up and then following her down when she jumps down into the pit. It's a really well-choreographed fight and she's she's just amazing. I mean, she's one. Okoye is one of my favorite characters in Black Panther. Just a great character in the MCU and just watching her work that staff is just awesome. I love Denai Garera. I think she's fantastic. I particularly like the fight. I personally don't like the car chase quite as much. There's something about the CGI job they do on T'Challa in that scene that I'm not real keen on. I don't think it looks as good as it should but it's still an exciting chase i love andy circus as claw he's just so he's so over the top any chance to see andy circus not wearing a mocap suit is always a treat and i do love him in that movie the way he's so over the top as claw particularly in the busan scenes
1: yeah i like the bit where he talks about his mixtape or whatever
0: <laughs> yes. when, when they
1: start the car chase he's like this isn't a funeral man like put some music on oh there is Uh, I guess since we're talking about Black Panther. I don't know how recently this came out, but there's a video of a bunch of the actresses that were the Dora training while they were in in quarantine. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll have to send it to you. Uh, Maybe I'll put it in the show notes for people. I
0: definitely want to see I mean, they've been talking about ramping up production on Black Panther 2, so I'd love to see that. So, your number three.
1: I think I'll put this one at number three just because... They're the same people as my top scene, and so I don't want to talk about them two in a row. So I guess I'll say my number three is the fight in Civil War in Germany after Bucky's programming has been activated. Like, his Winter Ah. Soldier programming has been activated. Right. Specifically, Mm -hmm. like, I like the whole scene. I like all of the places that they had to go with that fight. Like, all the space that they had to cover, from getting him out of the container cell, into that little cafeteria area, outside, all, you know, all the stuff that had to happen. But specifically, and I've told you this before, the part where Bucky shoots Tony in the face, and he's literally only saved by his fancy, like, Edith prototype glasses.
0: Was it the glasses or the glove? Because he's wearing like a glove. I think it might have
1: been his glasses.
0: Okay. It's, it's such a quick scene. I, it, it, it hits something, either the yeah. glove or the glasses.
1: But it's like, if it weren't for Tony's tech, he definitely would have been dead. And you can see it in his face. His eyes get real big and he's like, oh God.
0: <laughs> he literally dodged a bullet.
1: Yeah. I know that... It's, I guess, maybe a call to the comic book fans that are there. But when he's fighting with Natasha and she's like, you could at least recognize me. And I guess in the movies, it could be a callback to him shooting her in Odessa. But clearly for the comics, it's a callback to we know each other. Mm hmm. Even as Winter Soldier, you should at least know who I am because we've worked together as Winter Soldier. Like, I liked that call where you could sort of put your own meaning onto it.
0: There's still a lot of Marvel comics that I'm catching up on, if I'm not mistaken. I think their relationship was, how should we say, kind of close in the comics at one point, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, that's about all I know about the comics. I know that he worked with the Red Room and there she was. I'm not sure what they were implying in the scene, but I liked that you could sort of take it multiple ways.
0: This is the scene with the uh, Cap and the helicopter, correct?
1: I think so. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because Bucky's trying to escape in the helicopter and that's how they get away because Cap grabs the helicopter, the helicopter goes crashing down into that moat around the prison and then they swim out and he takes him to that garage where he clamps his arm down. Yeah. Uh, that's the, I just, I always remember that scene very fondly for a number of reasons, just because that's where you see, you know, Steve Rogers keeping a helicopter from leaving the ground. And it also is one of the first things they filmed. And incidentally, and I think I told you this, Chris Evans got hurt doing that stunt. He pulled something and was actually, he was. I mean, No kidding. He was hurting at least a little bit for the rest of the filming. You
1: would definitely pull something doing that, for sure.
0: I personally have never tried to stop a helicopter from taking off, but I imagine it hurts a little bit.
1: All right, what's your number three?
0: My number three is from Avengers Endgame. This may not come as a huge surprise to you. Cap wields Mjolnir. It's one of so many culminating moments in Avengers Endgame, but because it involves Captain America, my favorite, it's particularly special to me. I think you all know the setup. It's the final epic showdown against Thanos, played by Josh Brolin, and his forces at the end of the movie. He's just blown Avengers headquarters to smithereens, and everyone is trapped in the rubble, except, of course, for the Holy Trinity of Marvel, Cap, Thor, and Iron Man, and the three of them square off against Thanos, who's decided to beam down and take the Avengers on all by himself. All three of them get sidelined pretty quickly with Thor seeming to be the last to go down. But as Thanos is preparing to bury Stormbreaker into Thor's chest, we see Mjolnir, which is kind of strewn on the ground nearby, being lifted by some mysterious force. Of course, we all know that only... Someone deemed worthy is able to lift that hammer, so it might be easy to assume that it's Thor calling it to help him. And sure enough, a moment later, Mjolnir flies into Thanos and knocks him aside. A momentarily stunned Thanos then turns around to see who did that, and lo and behold, we see Steve Rogers, of all people, wielding Mjolnir, and Thor has just enough strength to mutter, I knew it before Thanos kicks him in the side and Cap gets in a few good licks with Mjolnir before Thanos gets the upper hand. He clocks him with it a few times. He calls down the the wicked lightning. And even does that cool thing where he throws the shield behind Thanos and then throws the hammer at it and the resulting shockwave knocks Thanos over. Readers in the comics know that there's precedent for Steve being able to pick up Mjolnir. In the MCU, in Age of Ultron, which we'll get to later this year, we saw Steve attempt to pick Mjolnir up at the party near the beginning of the movie and apparently fail although it does budge a little bit there's that very comic moment as we see thor's eyes kind of getting really wide at the sight of the hammer moving even just a little smidge at the hands of steve rogers and there are some fans who think that at that moment like steve realized he could wield it all along but like the moment he realized it he decided to not do it and just pretend he couldn't lift it up because he didn't want to embarrass thor because cap is cap is such a nice guy he doesn't want to do that to his to his friend and teammate But either way, it's one of those moments that had fans... I saw this in the theater like three times, and the fans always went crazy at that moment. I was one of them. It's just so cool. And that's why it is my number three.
1: Yeah, I knew that it happened before I saw the movie because I don't care about spoilers. And I asked somebody, I think at work, before I went to go see it, I was like, tell me all of the major spoilers, please.
0: I do remember that. They hemmed
1: and hawed about it for a second, and then eventually I was like, listen, I won't be mad. Tell me everything them. that happens.
0: I wasn't one of the ones who spilled, was I? No. I, would, I would be very, very shy. Yeah, okay.
1: No, it was someone else. I
0: didn't think so. I never would have done that to you.
1: No, I know. There's okay. a lot of people who won't facilitate my pre-knowledge of things, you're, and I hate it.
0: You're such a fun person, Emily. I can't figure out why you want foreknowledge of everything. It's like, are you, are you the person who reads like the last page of a mystery first? Yes. Is that why you want... Yes, I guess I should have guessed you were going to say that. That's why you couldn't wait till Christmas to open up my present. It's those headphones she's wearing right now. Did I mail them to her or drop you? I dropped them off on like December 22nd. And I get home from her apartment 15 minutes later. And there's this DM waiting for me saying, open them up. I couldn't wait. Thank you. I'm like, what?
1: I don't like waiting. I don't like not knowing. I'm also not patient at all. What's your number two?
0: So my number two, this is my second cheat of the evening because it's two scenes kind of backed up against each other. It is the elevator fight slash Cap flees the triskelion from Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Cap has just had a tense conversation with World Security Council Secretary Alexander Pierce, played by Robert Redford, regarding the, air quotes, death of Nick Fury. Pierce insinuates that Cap is withholding information about Fury from him. Upon leaving Pierce's office, Cap takes the elevator, one of those all-glass exterior-facing ones down towards the lower levels and at every stop along the way more of the shield and strike team guys you know all these very beefy scary looking guys get on board including agent brock rumlow played by frank grillo and through some keen observation and intuition possibly heightened by the super soldier serum if you ask me cap realizes very quickly that something is not right on this elevator before he knows it the agents attack him uh, there's 10 of them i counted and it is a really cool fight it's one of my favorite fights in all of the mcu it's one of my favorite fights in any movie really and although it's not a total cakewalk Cap manages to subdue all of them in about 58 seconds uh, i timed it too <laughs> But it's not over because Cap is still stuck in this elevator several floors up with all of S.H.I.E.L.D. hunting him down. So he uses the S.H.I.E.L.D. to cut the elevator cable, which drops him about, I don't know, maybe 10 stories before the emergency brakes kick in. And he's got S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and security inbound. And he's still a long way up in the air. So all he can do is break the glass of the elevator with the S.H.I.E.L.D. and jump all the way down, you know, landing very hard just outside the building. But it's still not over, because he's still within the confines of this S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. So he hops on his motorcycle and makes for the bridge that leads from the Triskelion over the Potomac River into Washington, D.C., something which, incidentally, everyone who lives here in the Washington, D.C. area where we record this podcast finds thoroughly amusing. I remember when I saw the movie, it was one of those things that made everyone in the theater chuckle so at the other end of this bridge all these gates and barriers and giant spiky things pop up to prevent cap from escaping oh yeah and they also send a quinjet after him which starts shooting at him cap dodges the fire from the quinjet and leaps up onto the quinjet and uses his shield to disable it before jumping off and sticking the stereotypical crouching superhero landing while the quinjet crashes cap single-handedly takes down a quinjet and walks or i guess technically runs away I'll tell you, a few years ago, that would have been my number one MCU moment. But something has superseded it. First of all, I'm glad that you had Bucky in at your last one, because I would have been really, really shocked if Bucky didn't show up on this countdown for you. And this is our first Winter Soldier appearance in the countdown, which is Emily's and my favorite MCU movie.
1: One of my favorite parts of that elevator fight scene is before he jumps out of the elevator, he's like, oh, maybe I'll just open the doors and walk out. It'll be fine. And he pries open the doors and sees... The S.H.I.E.L.D. agent's running to the hall and he pushes them back closed.
0: Nope, no, nope, no, not going that way.
1: <laughs> it's like, up, 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 up. You
0: see, sees like he's contemplating his actions and he walks away from the side of the elevator and it's like in that split second he then he just turns around and breaks through. All I got, that scene is so cool.
1: You skipped out on one of the best lines in that whole scene because there obviously isn't much talking, where before he gets started on his carnage, he politely asks, does anyone want to get off? That was so cool. (laughs) That was so
0: cool. I love that scene. At one point, it would have been my number one. It's now my number two, but that's still pretty darn good. Over to you, Emily. What's your number two?
1: This is my number two purely, again, because this is what's left before we get to my for sure favorite moment. Is going to be the final big boss fight between Peter Parker and Quentin Beck. In Far From Home.
0: I know you like that scene. I didn't know it was going to be your number two. Interesting.
1: I mean, it's my number two because I didn't say it in five through three.
0: Okay, true.
1: It would have been on the list. It's just this is where it ended up when I said them out loud. I just really like the scene. I like the lead up to the scene because at this point I was going to call her Zendaya. That's her real name. It's not her character's name. (laughs) In the lead up to this point, Ned and MJ know that he's Spider-Man. Happy rescued him out in the Dutch tulip fields. They're all coming together. He's built this sort of ragtag group of hero help around him at this point. Everyone sort of knows like this is going to be the big boss fight. I rewatched a little bit of it today. And I like when he's... Stuck to the side of the plane, and Happy's like, are you sure about this? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure about this. It's just a little bit bigger than I was expecting. And he goes, actually, also, before we go have this fight, because this is very important to my 16-year-old brain, we have to talk about you and my aunt. And then he (laughs) flies off into the fray. I came into Far From Home not expecting much because Homecoming was not great in my opinion. And I was prepared for another not great Spider-Man movie. And I had no idea where it was going to go. I didn't know who was going to be the baddie. I didn't know how it was going to play out. I had no idea. And so seeing how it worked was really cool. I have always really liked the drones in the movie. I always thought that was really cool. And when they're like, oh, are you sure that's real? Or like, oh, that's not real, but it's causing real destruction. But it's fake. Like the brain block that you have to go through of it's not a real thing, but it is a real thing and it's causing harm and I have to go stop it. But in particular, when he's fighting with Quentin Beck on the bridge and Quentin Beck turns it all dark so he can't see what's going on and he's using all the drones and it's sort of for a second takes Peter back to the last time that he fought with the drones and how you can sort of see some of that. I guess you could call it trauma, even though it just happened. But like the immediate fight or flight response of, oh, again, like I can't do this again. This just happened. But he, you know, his Peter tingle <laughs> that they call it in the movie. <laughs>
0: the Peter single. Oh, how quickly
1: he's able to navigate it and figure it out and get Edith back. And at the time, stop Quinn Beck from what he was going to do. I just always really liked that scene. I thought it was a good coming of age. Obviously, this was the intention of the movie was to define Spider-Man as his own character sort of outside the influence of Tony Stark because, spoiler alert, Tony Stark's not there anymore. Just seeing him in his own right as a superhero, I thought that was cool.
0: I like that movie a lot. Spider-Man Far From Home, I think, is a great film. I love Jake Gyllenhaal as Quentin Beck. I think he's a fantastic bad guy. We've talked from time to time about the so-called villain problem that they have in the MCU, and he is, fortunately, one of the better ones. And the whole bit with Peter kind of in the dark, having to find himself again, the, his spider sense, his... Peter Tingle as they say all over again just sort of come into his own as his own hero like you said in the post Tony Stark era that's a great sequence I love that movie just because the whole idea of what Beck was trying to do and who he was and I mean I kind of you know reading the comic hey I know, you know Mysterio is a bad guy you know what's going on here and when they have all those reveals and so forth it works for me and that fight at the end it's kind of made even more special by the fact that it's not over at that point we get that moment at the very 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 end of the movie where we find out Peter's in really big trouble and Beck has played one last card out of his deck posthumously. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot.
1: I'd almost forgotten at the end of the fight when MJ sort of runs to him on the the London Bridge or wherever they are and... He pulls out the black dahlia necklace and it's all busted and he's like, Oh no, like like immediately switches from superhero back to like nerdy teenager.
0: You got that in Venice, right?
1: Right. And it just immediately reverts back to this nerdy teenager that just wants to impress the girl that he likes. And he's like all upset about the black dahlia necklace being crushed. And it's like, Bro, you have a lot. more problems.
0: Well, you know, 16 year olds and priorities. Sometimes they're not lined up the way they should be.
1: But in my notes, I forgot to say this at the beginning. In my notes, I wrote the final fight between Peter and Quentin Beck, aka please give Peter Parker a break. I'm begging you. That's what I wrote in my personal show notes.
0: And so that brings us to our number ones, our favorite MCU moments so far. Emily, you wanna go ahead and give us your number one? What is your number one?
1: So my number one is actually a very specific moment. It's maybe like two seconds at best. It's enveloped in a greater scene, but it is a very specific moment. So it's Winter Soldier, we'll set the stage. Fury has just sort of realized that he's in a little bit of trouble and he is driving down these impossibly empty streets as a person who lives in D.C. We do have really wide downtown streets, but impossibly empty. There's no people parked in the street. There's nothing going on. But I digress. That's a different problem. But he calls Hill and needs her in DC. And once they're done talking, he pulls up to this stoplight, there's Metro PD, and he's like, want to see the lease? Like he gets kind of cocky with them because they're looking at him suspiciously. And that's when sort of everything sets off and he's having to fight these unknown, which we now know are Hydra, but these unknown guys And his car gets flipped over because someone in the road has shot the little explosive device under the car. And so his car explodes, gets flipped over. Who could it
0: be? Who Who could could it it be? be? Hmm.
1: And so here's my favorite moment. It is when, who could it be, turns out to be Winter Soldier, and he's standing in the road. And as Fury's SUV flips over and, like, slides down the road, Winter Soldier is in the path of it. He takes one very casual step backwards to get out of the way. I've always loved that. It's so cool. I don't know why. I think it's the amount of control. I think it's the fact that he in his training, knows exactly how the car is going to respond to being exploded. He knows exactly where to place his body. He knows exactly what to do. And just the casualness of this flaming car is coming towards me. I'm going to take one, one step backwards and that's it. Like, I always loved that because I feel like we didn't get a lot of that in other times that he has been under the Winter Soldier programming, like when we have seen Winter Soldier as a character. And all the other times he seems really frantic or really upset because he's been out of cryo too long or for whatever reason. Or even in Civil War, when they do the flashback to the compound in Serbia, he even looks a little frantic there. But just how much control he has in that moment, I always thought was really cool.
0: You've told me before about how much you like that moment. I think it speaks to the level of damage that Bucky has experienced since he fell off that train in Captain America the First Avenger. He's been so programmed and deprogrammed and whatever, and he's almost literally had all the humanity drained out of him in order to be turned into this efficient, cold Hydra killing machine. And his actions in that scene that you've just described are almost robotic. He acts with the precision and the dispassionate whatever of a machine, of a robot. This is the result of what has been done to him that he can act like that and he can fight that way and carry out missions that way with that kind of precision and know how, and like you said, casualness. It's what makes the Winter Soldier so scary, and it just makes for a really cool film. That sequence is really tight and it looks fantastic. I mean, Ya boy, Sebastian Stan, he plays that so well. All of the Winter Soldier mannerisms, this brutal killing machine that just kind of reacts to everything. He just kind of has that blank stare. The scenes where he's not wearing the goggles, but is wearing the mask, and you can just see his eyes. It's like the Terminator. There's almost like something dead inside of him. And yet, he's going to find you, and he's going to kill you. He's going to hunt you down and kill you. Yeah, that's one of the things that makes that movie so special for me, too. So, I'm totally on board with that pick.
1: Good. Even if you weren't, it's still my favorite. I know.
0: (laughs) My opinion doesn't matter in that respect. I get that. But I just let you want to know I like that scene, too.
1: All right, what's your number one?
0: My number one, I don't have any show notes for this one. I'm totally pulling this one out of my head because I've seen it so many times. I think I can talk about it pretty well without having to read anything. For the longest time, my favorite MCU moment was the elevator fight and Cap escaping the Triskelion from Winter Soldier until 2019 when Avengers Endgame came out. And I can now say my favorite MCU moment of all time is, of course, I call it Avengers Assemble, otherwise known as the portal scene actually takes place not long after my number three pick with Cap wielding Mjolnir because after he finishes fighting Thanos with Mjolnir for a little while Thanos subdues Cap beats the heck out of him and Thanos summons the rest of his forces from his ship and Cap stands up by himself and he realizes this is futile I'm going to have to face this guy alone but that's what I do because I can do this all day and it certainly looks like he's going to try to face Thanos' entire horde by himself and then you hear that static on the radio like "Whoa, what is that Cap this is Sam do you read me in the theater you could hear like this collective gasp and I was probably one of them I may not have even realized I was doing it at the time but I think I was doing it too and the next thing you hear of course the reciprocation of that famous line from the beginning of Winter Soldier on your left and you see the Doctor Strange portal open up and who should walk out T'Challa's always bailing Cap out it's like in, in Infinity War when Steve goes to T'Challa it seems like I'm always thanking you for something Black Panther it's always got Cap's back and you see T'Challa and Okoye and Shuri walk through the portal and then Sam Wilson the foul and flies in behind him and then before long you see all these other portals and everyone that we thought had been lost in the end of infinity war shows up dr strange scarlet witch star lord and mantis and drax we see peter parker spider-man shows up and of course they'll big cheer went up in the theater when he came back bucky is back groot is back hope van dyne the wasp shows up everyone shows up the mystics of Camartage show up and the ravagers from guardians of the galaxy show up the entire wakandan army shows up all of the as show up with valkyrie and then just sort of to put the icing on the cake you know scott lang turns into giant man and pops up out of the remains of the headquarters he's got you know roadie who's gone into one of his older war machine armors and rocket and hulk and the look on thanos's face it's like for the first time ever you see thanos look a little worried suddenly this army has come to oppose him and it's like the entirety of the marvel cinematic universe is the there. And I'm not one of those guys who like objects to crying. <laughs> I cried frequently enough. I just I don't do it a lot. But I cried in the theater when all those portals opened up and all these people started coming out and it became apparent that we're going to have the most massive throwdown in movie history. And then of course, you know, Cap, you know, yells out, and we've been waiting for him to say Avengers Assemble. The entire MCU and he finally says it as everyone goes charging off into battle, and it's just such a beautiful moment. It's a huge comic book moment. Avengers Endgame was a long movie with a lot of kind of very quiet scenes, especially early on, and then that time heist thing in the middle culminating in that final fight which made it all worth it it was so magical it was going to take something really super to leapfrog the elevator fight as my favorite mcu moment and the portal scene in endgame was most certainly worthy i guess i should say no pun intended worthy enough to do that and that's why it is my favorite mcu moment of all time so far I don't know what's going to replace it so I think that one's going to be sticking around for a while. And I'm sorry I droned on a lot but I love that I love that scene so much. This is what the Marvel movies do. Kevin Feige and the people who make them, they know how to milk a moment. And my god, what a moment.
1: I was trying to think of a response.
0: I I did not mean to go on. That was totally unscripted. I spoke from the heart. Saw it in the theater three times. I think I cried all three times. After everything they've gone through, the good guys legitimately have a chance of winning. And it's going to look really cool in the process.
1: Yeah, I'm not much for sentimentality in movies, really. I think there's maybe two or three movies in total that I've ever cried at. And it's always been because at that particular time in my life, I was like primed to cry at movies like that. (laughs) And it could be a movie I've seen a gajillion times. It'll be that one time at that one moment. And I'm like, well, time for tears. But like, I'm not a sentimental person in movies. I know when they're playing fan service. Obviously, of course, that scene, like you have to have a way to bring everybody back because they're back. You know, it worked, but I'm not even bothered at how it happened because it was so special. Like it was such a good way to bring everybody back. So I I do. Yeah, I like that scene. It's good.
0: I guess that's it. Our top five favorite MCU moments thus far. That was fun. I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, that was a nice switch up.
0: Thank you for joining us. We will be back in a few weeks. We'll be doing the reviews again, starting phase two of the MCU with our review of Iron Man 3. So until then, thanks for joining us. Stay safe, everybody. Be well. Have a good night. Bye-bye.
1: See you later.